Hey traders, welcome to the 17th episode of the Parfumante podcast. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about some pretty fun stuff. We're going to be looking at the BLX chart. Uh, it's the Pre Brave New Coin Liquid Index for Bitcoin. It's basically the longest chart and the uh, the longest chart of price action that we have for BTC. So if you haven't taken a look at it already, really uh, cool thing to look at when you try to... Get some perspective on what you're investing in. You can't really find anything other than BTC or maybe another altcoin that really looks as significant as this. So uh, yeah, we'll be going it over and then I'll be uh, passing it on to uh, Nathan here. Hey everyone, welcome to the 17th episode. This is going to be like a quick history lesson into the long-term price action of Bitcoin. This BLX chart goes all the way back until 2010. That's when the data was starting to be collected, and we're just going to explore some of the booms and busts that have happened over the year to provide some context for a prediction that we will provide towards the end of the video as to where we think Bitcoin can go in 2021. Just to try and concrete some ideas that we've been having, share it with you guys. Let us know what you think in the comments. Let us know if you think we're accurate, if we're crazy. We just want to hear from you and maybe drop your own prediction of where you think Bitcoin will end up. So without delaying any further, I'll pass it off to Keith, who will be doing some of the TA work on the YouTube live stream if you are watching it on any other platform. Awesome. So I'd say to start off looking at the first couple years of BTC's existence. Uh, obviously, it's a brand new asset. It's a brand new asset class. Uh, so there's going to be a tremendous amount of volatility. I'd say the longer this asset is keeping the uh, class as like the first dominator of BTC and the gold standard and what you'd classify as a safe haven in terms of the inflation and the death of the dollar. I'd say that the stability is going to uh, become more relevant and it's going to become less volatile over time. But uh, we will look at how the price action initially started all the way from it being before a single dollar to where it currently is right now, basically pushing up right up, against, right up against that 20K zone that we initially hit back in the end of 2017, the start of 2018. So first things first, looking at, uh, I know this is the audio book, but we do see back in 2011, we were really only at a dollar. And then from January 2011 to December of 2011, we see that the price went up over around 800% to around $3.60 from 40 cents. So in terms of the potential appreciation that those early hodlers got was pretty astronomical. It was unbelievable. And, and that's why there was that uh, first significant attraction, I think, from a lot of individuals uh, after the kind of implementation of the actual technology, because that itself brought a lot of attraction from the intellectual minds of the world. But from the financial standpoint, when it started really booming in, um, especially kind of passing the 2012, 2013 zone, was it was when it really started taking momentum. So the first major high that we saw was around $30. And that was in June of 2011. It then was consolidating and had a very significant pullback over 90% 
in the first around seven months, and then it consolidated for over a year and a half before breaking that previous all-time high of $30. And the next major high that it created was $265. So that would be around a 741% gain. Obviously, you're not going to buy at the perfect time and stuff, but in terms of if you're just holding, that's pretty mind-boggling. And then when it broke that previous high, $265, the next high was around $1,200. And that was a high that was broken that a lot of people remember because there was a three and a half year consolidation after that $1,200 high was broken or uh, created, sorry. So that was the long consolidation of 2014, 2015. A lot of people got out of the market. Uh, a lot of major influencers within the cryptocurrency space uh, deemed the cryptocurrency market, I guess, uh, not fake, not uh, respectable cryptocurrency figureheads, but I guess talking heads in the media were talking about BTC being dead, a asset that is uh, not ever coming back. And then it came back from the ashes and then took three in almost three and a half years. But uh, once it broke that $1,200 high, that's when it reached that 20K zone that uh, everyone knows and loves and are currently pushing up against right now. And from that climb of around $1,200, from around March in 2017, the spring is when it really started popping off. And then that really single year until the end of 2017, we were up basically over 1,200%. Uh, pretty unbelievable, pretty mind-boggling. What are your thoughts, Nathan? Yeah, it's kind of interesting just looking at the BLX chart because you're seeing these massive thousand plus percent gains every time. But it seems that the general trend is that the increases aren't as steep and they seem to be getting longer. Like there is decreased volatility over time, at least looking at the initial logarithm chart. And that's an interesting observation because Bitcoin, when it was super cheap, hard to access it was really centralized in some sense because people would put in thousands of dollars and they would get like hundreds of thousands of bitcoin in their early early days and so it's interesting to see the volatility reduction over time because i think a lot of that has to do probably with liquidity distribution and different players in the market having different amounts of capital year over year because it's not as centralized in the control of few hands. And I think that's one reason that the volatility is going to even out over time, is that as it gets distributed amongst the global population that's adopting it, there's going to be less ability to manipulate the price from a single player. Obviously, there's institutions like Grayscale, BlackRock, Square, etc., that are buying and hoarding Bitcoin. But those aren't going to be the kinds of players that necessarily manipulate the market. Because we're also entering a time where as these players come in, there's going to be a higher level of surveillance. Not only on like institutional operations, but I'd imagine within the context of the everyday consumer. That we're not that far away from maybe not necessarily financial regulation, but at least some higher level of surveillance, whether it be through the addition of the digital dollar. Because if we're talking about 
like a digital US dollar, the digital one that's coming out in 2021, allegedly. Um, that's just, that's a layer of surveillance past video cameras, basically, because that's immutable evidence in terms of where you've spent money, where you've transacted. That makes, assuming they outlaw cash or like prevent its use, that's an ability to track literally every transaction that happens in a country. And so that's the other thing that comes with blockchain is that it's forged in history. So it's all there in plain interest for everyone to see. It's like an interesting double-edged sword of the Bitcoin blockchain paradigm is that liquidity gets distributed, but that's just because it's being used. That eventually is going to have to be regulated, at least in some sense, I think. Yeah, again, I, I completely agree. Um, did you definitely want to uh, go over some US dollar stuff? Yeah, we could dive into it a little bit. I think we got a, a request to talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, sure. So uh, first thing I kind of want to discuss is the previous currencies that have been used by uh, humanity before. Just because right now you only really think of the currencies that we use now because we've been surviving for as humans kind of for like, I don't know, how, however long a human life is. You're only really going to use one currency that's going to be a world reserve currency. For example, right now it's the United States dollar. But looking at the previous uh, timeline of currencies looking back to like 1400 on average, they've lasted 100 years. And the one prior before the United States dollar is the British pound, the pound sterling. You have the uh, currency from France, which is dominated 100 years prior from the 1700s to the 18th. You have the Dutch currency prior from the 1600s to the 17th. And uh, the Federal Reserve was established in very early in the 1900s and we're past that 100 year mark. So there is going to be, in my opinion, some major shift in some world reserve currency just because you can't obviously extrapolate what happened in history and say this is exactly what's going to happen. But if it's happened for eight times in a row, I feel like there's some validity to it. You know what I mean? Can yeah, like what, when the pattern's repeating so broadly, so in such broad daylight that you can't ignore it because fundamentally it's all the same in terms of currency expansion, some kind of fundamental factor that stimulates it. It's just a positive feedback loop that kind of only ends one way. Yeah, definitely. And um, we're kind of looking back at a little bit more recent history in the 1970s leading up to 1980. I think a lot of maybe the older generation, like 30s, maybe 40s, all the way up to the 70s and 80s and up, I, I would say would remember uh, the prices of oil increased quite a bit. But in terms of the actual underlying effects, uh, it was because there was massive suppression in the inflation rates for so long. And I think we're seeing that right now with uh, we've seen zero percent rates or negative rates all around the country and the united states is basically at zero percent at 0.25 basis points for the federal funds rate so 
it's been suppressed since 2008. We went up a little bit to a little bit above 2%. And then when we had COVID, it's dropped right down to basically zeros. And it's going to stay there, in my personal opinion, for a very long time until there's going to be a massive shift. There's going to have to... Ha like last time, if we actually go and uh, try to understand what happened, there was World War One, and then there was the Great Depression, and then there was World War Two. From 1914 in World War One all the way to 1945 in World War Two, they dropped interest rates continuously because they had to pay for all the uh, costs of armies and, and and military trucks, and it obviously cost a lot to to wage a war on uh, other people. So. You can find other examples in history looking at the Confederate dollar, which was before the United States dollar, and that got inflated into oblivion because of the Civil War. So we can see a, a repeated time and time again, governments create currency, it deems it value, and they use that value that they created for free to pay for things that they use to wage wars. It's a... It's a thing that's been happening over and over again. And right now, what everyone deems valuable is the United States dollar because it's a world reserve currency. We did have a time where there was a massive worry of inflation and worry about the United States dollar having value. And that was leading up to 1980 through the late 70s, especially because there were such low interest rates. And to be completely honest, I don't know how they got away with it. They just completely... Uh, disconnected the relationship between gold and the United States dollar and everyone just went along with it. Uh, my opinion obviously doesn't matter compared to the rest of the world but I think the opinion of the, of the rest of the world will eventually turn when they continue to, continue to print it. There's no real way out of it and there's going to be a point in time where the velocity of the currency is going to shift People are going to start spending it and it is going to start circulating and uh, when that when that shift occurs it's going to be extremely quick and volatile and I think a lot of people aren't going to be ready other than the people who already know about sound money. Yeah, like I think that there's a relative period of mass prosperity, at least at like the beginning of the growth curve of the, not growth, but deflation curve where everything is fine and dandy because the currency is just circulating and more or less assets are appreciating so the rich get richer but once all the money and liquidity gets dumped into the market and the velocity of money shoots up then more or less you get caught with your pants down and you get experiences like what's happening in venezuela italy uh, zimbabwe is another one there's this interesting figure known as the Hankers World Hyperinflation Table. The data was amended in 2017, but there's a couple of notable entries. Like in October 2017 in Zimbabwe, the highest monthly inflation rate was 185%, and the time taken for all prices to double was 20.1 days. Insanity. Absolute insanity <laughs> i believe there's one for venezuela oh yeah november 2016 219 currency devaluation yeah that's uh yeah the data was that 
last update in 2017. I'm sure there's more, but man, that is brutal. It's it's even hard to wrap your head around that level of devaluation. Like you, you can't even imagine. Like even looking at, I, I think Germany was before that time. Weimar uh, Republic. I remember Mike Maloney, which I he has a really cool series on YouTube. Um, I believe I, f I forget the title, but if you search up Mike Maloney, you'll be able to find it on YouTube. Really great series, but um, he talks about inflation and in. Germany's hyperinflation Weimar Republic, I believe it was, but it was in Germany, and similar type of situation. Uh, they brought like buckets of cash uh, to get a small bag of groceries, and it was unbelievable. And that's how Hitler came to power, actually, is because the people were absolutely fed up with it. They didn't know what to do. This person came and said, "I'll fix everything." Well, not everything, but I'll fix things and make things right. And he was initially saying it was for the people, it was for the people of Germany, and that's how he got a lot of people to be on his side. It's pretty crazy, um, and, and it's a little bit scary because if that is one of the end goal, end results of a inflationary crisis and people worrying and um, having basically no money because the value of their currency plummeted, you're going to have a revolution in some way or another. So it is a great opportunity in that if you are well prepared and have sound money and are well diversified in the things that will do well during these crisis, crises, I think it's a great opportunity. But if you are a person that has no knowledge of it, it could be very difficult. And I think there could be some situations where... Um, wars may occur and that's never a good thing but yeah from a from an individual standpoint i think being well diversified we always talk about cryptocurrencies and i think it is an unbelievable opportunity but looking at more uh, validated long-term assets like gold silver are really good options because in the crypto world we've only been around since you know 2010 really 20 2009 um, at the end of the day, looking yeah. at assets that are for five, 6,000 years dominated the sound money space, I would say is never a bad bet. You can't go wrong with the classics in that sense. Yeah. Like we're entering a time where kind of modern money theorem is being challenged and we don't necessarily know the outcomes, but we can apply logic based on what we see and make a plan around it. And I think that's kind of not necessarily what we're trying to convey here. It's just that we're trying to highlight the shifts and changes that are happening that ultimately not that many people are really paying attention to. We're trying to capitalize and it seems at least like there's a lot of, uh, what's the word? There's going to be a lot of victims for people that are unaware of changes like this that are happening. Because ultimately, there's always going to be victims when there's inflation. It's just a matter of putting yourself in a position to not get poor. Yeah, well said. Crypto is not a get-rich-quick scheme. If you want to get rich quick, refinance your home, 100k loan, 100 leverage. Oh, baby, you're off to the races. <laughs> 100 leverage. Um, I don't know. It's 
it's a long-term game, right? We're looking to accumulate, and that's kind of the end of the the end game. It's a game of accumulation. Yeah, man. Digital assets, or it's digital real estate. Yeah, it literally is digital real estate. And Yeah. uh, I, I totally forgot at the beginning of our podcast, sorry for a little bit of a rambly episode, just covered a whole bunch of topics. The Friday night special, you know how it is. Um, at the beginning of the episode, we promised a Bitcoin price prediction before we wrapped it up. So with that quick little Bitcoin history lesson that we dived into at the beginning, uh, basically, if you kind of take the percentage average increase year over year between those bull runs, uh, 250k is our magic number that we are shooting for as the peak of the current bull cycle that happened or that is happening uh, we think it'll end sometime in spring 2021 uh, that's a rough sorry not spring like winter 2021 yeah i messed that up um spring 2021 250k that's what we're shooting for If you have your own prediction, let us know. We'd love to hear it. Um, or if you have questions about it and kind of want to know more about it, well, you're welcome to reach out on Discord. We really appreciate if you made it this far in the episode. Appreciate everyone's support. Pass it off to Keith. Thank you very much for watching. I uh, put it up on the chart there for anyone that does want to look on YouTube within the podcast. But uh, it definitely seems feasible. Looking at the previous bullish push, I just looked at the price action, gathered the information, and then projected it looking outward above 20k and beyond. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like it is an e not an easy possibility but you can see just the flow of the overall market you see these nice saggy lows that get held by strong levels of support a failure to make that lower low and in in terms of the current price action structure we actually started making higher lows so in terms of the overall structure we weren't making a low and then holding it we were actually seeing bullish pressure continue to push the price up especially in that 50 percent to the downside in a single day uh, situation back in March, we were able to hold well above anywhere close to the lows on the monthly. So in terms of the overall bullishness, extremely, extremely solid. And I think that we are going to see that next bull market um, that everyone has been anticipating for. A lot of people got shaken out and, uh, you know, it's been basically three years. Um, so... For everyone who has been in the crypto market for that time, congratulations. The waiting, in our opinion, uh, is now worth it. You are going to see the fruits of uh, the labor that you've been putting in by psychologically uh, holding yourself from having weak hands. So give yourself a clap. Have a wonderful rest of your Friday night and a good weekend. Until next time, have a good one, traders.